Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Our subject today is soul and body, and we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we're so glad you could join us. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from uh, page 15 of Addenda to Collectania. If you accept there. Afraid. Mm. Afraid of what? What does earth hold that can compare with God's omnipotence? Trust to his care. Make faith in him your staff. It will not bend. Divine love. Give me higher, holier, purer desires, more self-abnegation, more love and spiritual aspiration. Nothing can come to me but what comes from God, and nothing can go forth from me but that which goeth forth from God, good, divine love. Divine intelligence directs. Divine love protects. Divine mind unfolds to me each day all I should know, do, or say. Mary Baker Eddy. That was just beautiful. Thank you, Florence. And we will have Sari greet us when uh, Jeremy will take her off mute. Oh, I think she is. You are off mute? Okay. I'm here, Mary. Okay, okay. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Zary. Tell us what language this is. Oh, I, let me do it next week. I totally am not there. I'll do it next week. Okay, okay. Well, I had a spare in Portuguese, and in sports, Portuguese, good morning is bon dia. Bon dia, yeah. Bon dia, okay, good. I said it right. Thank you. All right, next week, Zary. Okay, next week. I'm sorry, I just ran in the house. That's okay. All righty. Um, we will go on to our watching point. Good morning, everyone. I will read watch number 275. Watch, lest you feel that at your present stage of growth, science calls upon you to deny the body or any of its organs and functions. Mrs. Eddy gives us no precedent for it. I will read Miscellany, page 217. In the last Sentinel, October 12, 1899, was the following question. If all matter is unreal, why do we deny the existence of disease in the material body and not the body itself? Our great exemplar, Jesus of Nazareth, first takes up the subject. He does not require the last step to be taken first. He came to the world not to destroy the law of being, but to fulfill it in righteousness. He restored the diseased body to its normal actions, functions, and organizations. And in explanation of his deeds, he said, quote, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. End quote. Job said, quote, In my flesh shall I see God. End quote. Neither the Old nor the New Testament furnishes reasons or examples for the destruction of the human body, but for its restoration to life and health 
as the scientific proof of God with us. When Gilbert C. Carpenter was living in Mrs. Eddy's home, Calvin Fry instructed him never to deny that he had a heart, since at present we seem to need a heart that operates harmoniously. We should not deny that we have a stomach as long as we still need one. Rather, should we at the present time strive to make the demonstration that causes material sense to become the servant of science. Science and Health, page 146. By trusting matter to destroy its own discord, health and harmony have been sacrificed. Such systems are barren of the vitality of spiritual power by which material sense is made the servant of science and religion becomes Christ-like, end quote. Edward Kimball once wrote an article in which he said that all there is to stomach is what God knows about it. He wrote, quote, every organ or function of the body is an idea of God, and all there is to stomach is the truth about it. It is all right at all times, imperishable, perfect, end quote. When Mrs. Eddy corrected his manuscript, she wrote in the margin after the first phrase, a lie. Yet he was only stating what he had taught him, what she had taught him. She said in substance, declare I have a perfect liver in God, and let the spiritual import of this declaration destroy the false concept about liver. You may declare I have a perfect liver, or there is no liver, provided the thought back of these declarations is right, end quote. Mrs. Eddy also said to Dr. Baker, there are no material lungs. If they offend thee, plug them out. Destroy your false sense of organs. Christian scientists should say they have perfect lungs, perfect stomach, perfect heart, etc., as idea, spiritual, end quote. When we realize that divine love meets the human need, we will take that human need into consideration and not try to deny out of existence that which still seems to be humanly necessary. Novel Reason, Science and Health, page 427. Immortal mind governing all must be acknowledged as supreme in the physical realm so-called as well as in the spiritual. <clears throat> All right, comments on that. Well, declaring for perfect organs sure goes in the face of heredity and everything we hear on TV. So wonderful to come here and know that this is the truth of us. Thank you. This is a, such an important subject to understand. Because this is where Christian scientists get kaflui. And um, Mrs. Eddy says a lot about a lot of different things. And you can't always start at the absolute when you're working things out. Um, we're going to, I'm going to call this session today Hot Topics because <laughs> later we will get into the sexuality that Jacob brought up. Um, 
but there's several more things to talk about before we get there. So I have to manage my time. But anyway, uh, yes. And, and some people say this is the two schools of thought where one, you, you know, matters nothing. You don't have a stomach. You don't have a heart. And then the other that they do represent spiritual ideas, which is what I feel and, and what I, I know is a Kimball school of thought and what Mrs. Eddy approved. Which and, makes it the only school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, go ahead, Zary. Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the big problems that the New Age and perhaps the Mother Church, I'm not going to bash the Mother Church, but perhaps it's a way that forgetting that we do have a body to handle instead of uh, thinking we're in the third degree. We, we deal with what is there and we know that everything is in its rightful order and it's in its peace and it's in harmony. You know, that's so important for us to continue to hold to that instead of this dualism. Thank you. And there's not there's not two of you, as we talked about last week, a mortal and an immortal. There's just the one. And as you work along these lines, everything will be more spiritualized until you will realize you're you are totally spirit. Matter matter is not true. It has no claims. Scientific statement of being is the truth, the ultimate truth. Um, so any any other comments on that? Yeah, I think uh, there is not a, a chapter where Mrs. Eddy does not emphasize this matter has no sensation, that we are not to be, you know, if we are progressing, then we should be knowing our spiritual life. God is spirit. He made us in his image and likeness. So it doesn't make sense to, you know, dwell forever in this mortal sense of life. We have to move forward as we grow, as we understand more of the science, what we really are. I think that that's why she mentions that in almost every every chapter, footsteps of truth, science of being, recapitulation, science, theology, medicine, Christian science practice, all of it. She is saying, you know, matter has no sensation. So we have to learn that. Thank you. That's that's very true. So maybe maybe we will discuss this sexuality first and then go on to my other hot topics. <laughs> so, um, Carrie had sent again some very good <clears throat> articles that go along with what we're going to be discussing today, which I'm grateful for. And once um, one is called sensuality from the October 1885 issue of the journal, and I will have. Gary, read it. It's not too long. Hmm, okay. This is by EAB. Whoever EAB is. It starts. What is it? Answer. Living in the senses or for their gratification. Sensuality. Sensuality being the title and being the question. We have the sense of sight to direct our footsteps and to see the glories of the universe. The sense of hearing to tell us when something unusual is occurring that may result in our injury and to enjoy conversation, music, etc. The sense of smell 
to direct and assist us in selecting and enjoying our food, the sense of taste to give relish to food, the sense of feeling to tell us when we come in contact with anything that is liable to injure us, and that we may know of the presence of other substances. Now, if we use, if the use of the senses is confined to our simple requirements of them, we have established ourselves as unsensual or spiritual in the general sense of the term. But when we allow the sense of sight to send us around the world for the simple desire or passion for seeing, we are sensual in this particular direction. When we allow the sense of hearing to drive us to hear everything new, as in music, etc., to the exclusion of duty, we are sensual. When we allow the sense of smell to excite an appetite for food, tobacco, liquors, etc., we are sensual. When we allow the sense of taste to drive us to gluttony or wine-bibbing, we are sensual indeed. When we allow the sense of feeling to inform us that we must allow it to rule for a season, or that we must suffer pain, it is sensuality. When we live for the five personal senses alone, roaming around for their gratification, we have buried our talent in the ground, and it gains us not even usury. When we, as master, allow our senses as servants to say we must cater to their demands exclusively, we have indeed relinquished ju all just claim to be anything beyond what the senses say. And having allowed mutiny in our household, we cannot reasonably expect even leniency from the mutineers. <laughs> we have surrendered unconditionally to a band of tyrants who are content with nothing else than our utter destruction. Now, these senses are non-intelligent. We must furnish intelligence to govern them. How are we doing it? I'm not even sure this was written by Christian scientists, but whoever it was, he makes a good point. And when we let it just overcome us and, and living in the senses rather than developing our spiritual sense, we run into great trouble, yes, and it it does try to master us when our master must be the one mind, God. And this is what we strive for daily, right? So, Florence. No, no, I, I said yes to what you said. Good. Well, um, do you have what Jacob wrote? Would you like to read that or would someone? If you don't, I can give it to I don't know whether we should read it for a thing, but um, what he wrote on the forum. I thought we were done with it. We're done with it? I thought we were done with sexuality. Uh -oh. <laughs> 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 Gary, you read it then. What more is there to say? We're not right? done with it. Well, Jacob has a little more to say. Okay, Jacob, body and soul, can they be two different subjects? 
Even after 30 years studying and grappling with Christian science, it can seem confusing at times. Florence read from the Blue Book, page 222, and my eyes caught this statement on the same page. Quote, the treatment should go far enough to destroy or uncover the belief in the reality of sexuality and the existence of material creative organs, end quote. Eustace indicates that we are conscious of corporeal organs because of communion with God. For instance, he wrote, quote, is the action of the stomach or liver something apart from mind? You are conscious of it through communion with mind, end quote. For some of the things Mary Baker Eddy wrote, I understand that she condemns sexual feelings and actions. When I was about 12 years of age, I asked my elder sister in disbelief, do people do that too? Referring to dogs doing their thing in the street. And she had to answer affirmative. Of cause, a few years later, I experienced all those confusing and undefiled, undefined feelings too falling in love with a girl at school, a mixture of emotions like a deep need for human affection and physical feelings. Apart from the negatives of uncontrolled population growth and all the evil and nastiness related to sexuality, I also see the positives of marriage, a tender loving relation, a warm embrace, and least but not last, the joy and beauty of children Time for thinkers. The self-renunciation of all that constitutes a so-called material man lose sight of material selfhood. In the absolute, we are never born nor ever die. For many years, I have puzzled, for instance, with this statement on page 418 of Science and Health. Quote, the conquest over sickness as well as over sin depends on mentally destroying all belief in material pleasure and pain, end quote. I guess the clue is the word material. Nothing can ever be material. All must be soul, even what we call body. I would like to hear what others think. These things cannot be controlled by mere human willpower, as we have witnessed from issues in the Catholic Church. Okay. All right. There Lawrence, I'll let you begin. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, for me, what this says is a false sense of things. Um, Mrs. Eddy, well, let me pull up what I wrote in reply to this. Mrs. Eddy does not condemn sexuality, but she's saying um, that it's one of the things that fall away as we gain more of the reality of our own spirituality. And I, under, I understood that the need to seek completion, satisfaction in another fades away once we become aware that we are already the reflection of both male and female quality. Eating and drinking, uh, Shadell, I'll let you speak to that. You referred to that above. All materiality will yield as we progress spiritward. The, the, the beautiful joys of, I mean, qualities of joy, love, all those things are here forever. And in uh, Science and Health 64, 
from 17 to 25. In this, Jesus declared that in the resurrection there should be no more marrying or giving in marriage, but man would be as the angel. And I think uh, Matthew 22 and Luke 20 also refer to this. And then page 509 of Science and Health, he says, God forms and people the universe. So what does that say about human procreation? We will all, man, will awaken from the Adam dream of materiality and no longer be dominated by it. It's my understanding of all this. Like we grow out of it. We grow out of it. The more spirit would we become. And that's only from science and health. Nothing okay. else. I mean, Christian science. Yes. Okay. The, the secret of me was, she also says, go gently from <clears throat> matter to spirit and do not attempt to thwart the spiritual ultimate of all things, but through better health and better morals, show what your understanding Christian science has brought. So yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen, but, it, you know, don't be beat up on yourself. And then mm-hmm. and also says that a sexual attraction is conspiracy against science, which helped me because it told me always leave that out of the decision. <laughs> uh, who you like and who you don't. You know. So, and which kind yeah. of thank you. That's a good. That's a very good point. Thank you, Craig. Mm-hmm. Leave that out of the decision. Mm-hmm. In other words, guide yourself, guide your body through intelligence guide your senses and that's what this article from 1895 says yeah so it's a discipline isn't yeah. it yeah i think that article there science uh, some, sorry <laughs> go ahead karen um <clears throat> well what stood out to me in that article was when Gary read, um, there, <clears throat> the senses are, are only to serve us in our duty to God. And to me, that, that really, um, that stood out to me because if it's all the five senses, if it's serving me to get closer to God, to do his work, to serve him, then, then it's right. But if it's taking me away from him, if it's taking me away from that, in any direction, then I have to stop and and look at it and see what if that's what it's doing. Then then that's that tells me I'm going in the wrong direction in any of the senses. Thank you very much. That's absolutely right. That's true of anything. Is this bringing me closer to God or not? That's our relationships, uh, everything, travel. I mean, when we get where it's sensuous and we're just craving it and and uh, indulging in it, it is taking us away from God. But if it's bringing us closer to God, then then that's can be considered a good thing. Um, and that's always the indication. And that's true of the people that we're with. If we are with more spiritually minded people, or are we with people who are very carnally minded and into all kinds of things that in our self we know are wrong, then we shouldn't. There, Everyone, I mean, the world is so different, and people are in states and stages of consciousness. And there's some who just crave and lust and all of that. And then there are others more spiritually minded. We're all different. And, and so we must, 
as Craig said, emerge gently according to her own understanding, her own pace, and you can't force things on people because then it gets perverted. Mrs. Evans was very clear about that. She thought we had a lot of young people with children and to tell people, no, you're not having sex would be just outrageous and she never did. And and if it grows away gently as as do other things as we grow, then that's that's fine, but not to force it. That that would be causing perversion as Jacob said, we see in the Catholic Church, and I know there are people who complain about about me mentioning the Catholic Church, but you know what? I don't care because it's a bad and rotten system. And if you don't understand that, then you need to have a deeper understanding of the science. And um, this isn't being critical of people. It's being very critical of a system. And Mrs. Eddy says, if we don't watch it, our Christian science becomes this bad and rotten system, as maybe we are seeing yeah, happening. Definitely, mm-hmm. in the Christian science movement too. It is the organization in- that same perversion if it's in the wrong sense. Mm-hmm. You can't humanize a good religion. You do, and you destroy it. You destroy it. And if I don't speak out about things like that, I'm not telling you of the foe and ambush. Shardy, what did you have to say? I, I would just agree with you. I'm so glad that you're truthful because I have part of my family lived in Catholicism. It was not pleasant to observe. And uh, my dear grandmother, you know, because if she had this struggle with Catholicism, she was not Catholic. She married and had to sign papers, which she did not follow. And they said that her, they told that her children, my mother, that her mother was going to hell. Now, what person... A nun would tell a child that their mother was going to So, thank you. Well, yes. And actually, I was going to have you speak more also on sexuality, oh. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. About, uh, about um, well, Florence yeah. mentioned, you know, about eating and sleeping. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, uh, that's what I talked about. We, we do, and as you said, uh, Craig, we emerge gently. We eat, we sleep, we wear clothes. And, and this is part of it. And I was raised, this is a very beautiful thing. When you're tender and kind and you love someone, it's natural. And then like, like Jacob said, many times when you have a union, you have children. Not always. But and it's a very lovely thing when it's kept in that spiritual sense. Yes. Yes. And that's what I said Um the sexual element you mentioned in a, in your post is also part of the Adam dream. And as you explained, some forms of it definitely appear better than others. It is the love, the closeness, the joy of any experience which makes it border on the divine. And this is what people truly seek after. And this is why the ultimate is to, to have it in a marriage where two people truly love each other. And it's not just... Although Mrs. Eddie does say it can be what legalized, legalized. Yeah. sometimes, <laughs> but not always. Yeah, but but well, you know, I these are issues you can think about and decide for yourself. But most of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's that the sexual act is very raw and lustful What's and horrible. behind it, like they said? In yeah, the, the watch, motive, you know, the thought back of what Thank you're doing, the thought behind mm-hmm. what you're doing. Otherwise, it is a can be, you know, an expression of love and tenderness. 
Um, it's still human. It's on that human level. And that's why to judge people about it. I mean, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, he he says you don't judge anyone. Um, lest you be judged. Lest you be. There's a very important book called Fragments Gathered from Unpublished Items, ascribed to Mary Baker Eddy. Suzanne typing it now is that right she is she is Thank yes it, and it will be on our website at some point but you can also healing unlimited cells that you can um yeah i just got that one off of amazon so yeah you can google it and get it off amazon it's from the carpenter collection we have the original here and it does have things in here that i have never read before right it does um and it's, it's very interesting um and one is when um, Mrs. Eddy is being interviewed on what is Christian science based. And she says, I can tell you on what I base my conception of religion and so which it so far as in me rests. I have laid its foundations in Christian science on the Ten Commandments, the 91st Psalm, the Sermon on the Mount, the revelation of St. John the Divine. I am a theist, and that is one who believes in the existence of God. I'm a theist, I must confess, Mrs. Eddy said, smiling. <laughs> so, go back to what does Jesus say? Everything he says is, is the thought behind it. What is the thought behind it? It's very different from the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments are good rules, too, generally to stick by. They well, are. Well, and, and what, what does the Tenth Commandment say? Shall not covet. Thou shalt covet. covet. Yes. What is your motive in dealing with your neighbor? Are you coveting? Them. Yeah. If you are, then you're, you know, you're breaking all the other commandments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a thought. I, th I think it's the thought behind what, whatever you do is the thought behind it. That's so important. Yeah. So are you governing yourself with intelligence or are you letting the beliefs of the human senses govern you? Mm -hmm. That's really what it boils down to. Jeremy, what did you say? Oh. <laughs> Don't shrug your shoulders. <laughs> You're getting out of this. <laughs> I was just waiting for quarter row. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this about the sexuality? Well, no. well, you you told yeah. me you told me how you'd originally read about Mrs. Yeah, what Mrs. Eddie said. Post. She did say, yeah, you had a whole post. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had I'd wondered about that Com coming into science. You know, at, at 40, I lived a lot of life, and I had wondered how much was, you know, considered good and bad. But Mrs. Eddie didn't marry again after discovering science, so it has to be good to some degree. Yes. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know that. And I'm glad to know, too, that it can be done, you know, in a good and right way. So. Okay. Um and what did you say while we're on you before you slip away <laughs> about the food? Because this relates to, in yeah. a way. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was very grateful to find what I found in um, precepts. And it was funny because I wasn't even looking for that. Um, I, I was looking for 
something about children, but <laughs> you know, just the fact that we we need to know that all food comes from mind, as you know, and the the way he says it in there. When you get away from that, it's not. You didn't bring your. No, I, I do have it. Oh, you do have Well, thing? you can read a, not the whole thing, but parts of it, perhaps, because oh, it was okay. very good. Let's see, I have it, too. Um, it was very good. Again, Dear Carpenter, he talks about everything. But he, um, he, you know, spiritualizing all these things. Because otherwise, if you don't, you know, then and, and all this, the lusting for food, the gluttony, as was mentioned, and mm-hmm. then you have stomach problems, and you get too big or too skinny and you have all this kind of problems so what do we do about it well and the idea of spiritualizing something it 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 goes back to the motive in other words we we eat food right Mm -hmm. but why and where does it come from well god god created it for us to meet our needs Divine love loves us so much that he provided food for us. That is spiritualizing food. Doesn't mean you stop eating. Doesn't mean you say, okay, forget it. You know, I'm only going to, I'm only going to eat spirit. Well, what does that mean? That that's where the confusion starts. You don't, you don't eat a material thing into a spiritual thing. Things are what they are. But what, where, is the, where is the cause? What is the purpose? Do we live to eat? Yeah. Do we eat to live? <laughs> well, for now, we eat to live, and divine love provides what we need. If we let, this, if we let the senses of our taste dictate to us, we will overeat. We will eat things that we shouldn't eat. If we let God feed us, he will provide the food that we need, and that is good for us. And again, eventually, we're told we won't, we won't need to eat or sleep. In this, in this book, Fragments, it talks about Mrs. Eddy said, you know, sleep. These things didn't mean a lot to her, and she would maybe sleep like she would get up at three in the morning and work on something until six a.m. and then be totally refreshed. And then when she did sleep, she would sleep like a little child. So she didn't put such big a store in all of these things. Um, Okay, so let's. What what did Carpenter say? Well, I think the first paragraph probably says it best. When one eats from the standpoint that what he has eaten is a product of earth and was raised by man's patience and skill, he loses sight of the fact that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. The food may appear to come from beneath, but in reality it comes from above. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he demonstrated that the earth never created food. Just as the ventriloquist dummy is used to deceive people into thinking that it is the source of the former's voice, so mortal mind uses the land and sea to deceive mortals into believing that these are the sources of bread and fish. Thank you. And then also later, um, 
In Deuteronomy 8, we find a warning that in the process of time, the temptation would come to believe that food came as a result of mortal man's skill and intelligence rather than the demonstration of God's giving. That's very important. And, you know, people can get all obsessed about food, where it came from, it's contaminated, is it this, is it that? And when man is behind it, it probably is. This is why we have to bring it back to God and say our prayer before we eat. And no, I mean, I, I think everyone should eat as well as you can, as well as you can afford. Organic food is good, simple food, plants, vegetables, fruits, seeds, nuts, all those things wonderful things God has given us. Keep it simple and pure with prayer. And that is very important. And then it can only bless you. You can't get too fat or skinny from it. It can't give you stomach upsets. Um, it, it's sad that people get afraid of food, certain food, you know, there's a fear that comes with it. Um, that yeah. kind of thinking. Yes, thank you, absolutely. All of this allergies and carrying on about it. So, um, but isn't that all the result of just not knowing who you are? Yeah, yeah. But if you have a, if you have some idea that you are God's image and likeness, that God made you, and God put you here for a purpose. Then you're gonna you're you're gonna spend your time thinking about fulfilling that purpose, and you're not gonna spend time fretting about what your body looks like or what your food tastes like or things like that. All of that will be naturally provided for you by God as you fulfill your purpose. Yeah, take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall put on. Um, there was an interesting article I was telling Gary about in the Wall Street Journal. It said, you know, that um, Hellman's was trying to figure out the purpose of mayonnaise. <laughs> and uh, the point of the article was that businesses are, are finding when you have a good purpose to your product or whatever your business is doing, your product will be successful. Your business will be successful. Well, isn't that interesting? And th this is the... This is a sign of the, of people progressing. If, if you have a business that that has no good purpose to it, don't expect it to be successful. So I thought, wow, well, good that are people, you know, what's the purpose of mayonnaise? <laughs> good question. But anyway, um, have a good purpose. And then there was one other thing I had, I had a Jeremy put on the noteworthy news. I was so thrilled about it. And that is an island was formed off the coast of New Jersey. It was just naturally formed. And it is now inhabited by all these birds, thousands of birds, endangered species. It's as if God created this island for these birds, just for them. And, and it made me so happy because I know some of you have been praying about the birds and endangered species. And this is certainly proof of an answered prayer. I mean, an island just forming off the coast of New Jersey, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so very excited about that. And it definitely flies in the face of all this uh, climate stuff saying that our, you know, shores are going to be yes. underwater and everything. <laughs> yes. So. This is answered prayer. It all is. It's happening. People are waking up. 
And then I thought this was a very beautiful article, <clears throat> short too, um, dealing with about the sweet, sweetest honey, honeycomb. <clears throat> and it was from a 1916 article. If we try to see as the Lord sees and to will as the Lord wills, we shall come to feel as the Lord feels. We shall share his taste. We shall drink the, of the river of his pleasure. We shall like what he likes. His joy will be our joy. The joy of the Lord shall be our strength. We shall come to love what the Lord loves. His word will be in our mouth as honey. Yea, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. One in vision and one in will. We shall surely come to be one with him in heart. What a union, what a fellowship, what a friendship. And through such blessed union, his grace will pass like the ceaseless passing of treasure across frontier lines where the last tariff barrier has been removed. Eye to eye, will to will, and heart to heart. That communion shall be far more intimate than the fellowship suggested by the mystic ladder in the patriarch's Patriarch's dream with angels ascending and descending in never tiring ministry, much more intimate than that. I say, for it shall be immediate and glorious embrace of the soul with her Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the oneness we're all looking for, right? The, the completeness we're all looking for. And to be one with God like that, so that we love as He loves, sees as He sees. Um, just thought it was a beautiful thought and it will be sweeter than the honeycomb and that is what a sexual union I mean people look for it in that way but it, it is truly found in our oneness with God and that gives us the reality of it now on to more hot topics <laughs> <laughs> oh my so Lillian you read the golden text <clears throat> Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Thank you. Now, there are two really beautiful articles also from Carrie that I want on the website on, in the Liberator. One is William McCracken's Labor Not for the Meat Which Perish. Perish it, and the other is poverty and riches. The first one's by William McCracken, the second one by a Muriel C. Berry. Um, they're both excellent and to be studied because of, I mean, I could go on, you know, we could talk about the sexual thing for hours, but. Um, but we won't. <laughs> We're not late. <laughs> well. Some things you figure out for yourself through study and prayer. And the, the chapter on marriage is superb. Chastity is the cement of civilization. She says a lot. And, and committing adultery is no less imperative than thou shalt not kill. She's, she's very strong. It's a good, good chapter to read. Okay, so for my other hot topic. Um, and that is that is this idea of supply. The uh, article Poverty and Riches begins, Not long ago, two friends were talking on this subject, and one said, I have not been able yet to make my financial demonstration. A moment later, she added resentfully, 
I cannot make it seem right that some people have to work out of property and others do not. Everyone is subject to disease, but I cannot see the justice of some being poor and others being rich. So the other replied, because that is a big issue. I understand that. The other replied, then you fail to see that the rich man, as a rich man, has just as big a problem to work out as you have. In fact, his problem from the personal standpoint is even more complex than yours. You have simply to see clearly that divine love meets your needs while he has first to realize that all his while he has has first to realize that all his material possessions are nothing before he can begin even in a small degree to look to mind as the source of his supply. Besides this, his wealth involves in most cases the necessity to provide employment for many others, and this with all its varied demands is no light thing. The rich may feast through a long day of carnality while the poor are crying without their gates. In fancy security behind his bolts and bars, the selfish worldling laughs at face, fate and despises God. But a night cometh, a time of darkness, doubt, and solitude. Then the still small voice of truth will not be denied. Ruthlessly, truth strips all disguise from sensual pleasure. We're back to the first article. Lifts the mask of folly and requires of mortal man his soul, his false sense of life, and its real values. So, if someone has demonstrated supply, demonstrated through demonstration, through intelligence of God, then he's earned that, and God blesses him. And that person blesses others, as Mrs. Eddy did, with what he has been given. But if someone gets it carnally, it, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? And we see that. These unhappy rich people with all their wealth, it's really almost a mental illness. They can't get enough stuff, bigger, better. So it's nothing to be envied. And it's better you work on your own. You have your own road to hoe. If you think you're lacking, you work on that instead of envying either what someone has honestly demonstrated and earned or something that will come to utter destruction at some point. And the stress of managing it, worrying about it, and it takes up all your time. And yes. A lot of yeah. And the better businessmen uh, <clears throat> are starting these organizations where they're trying to give away to help. Like, I think that big stock guy out of Idaho or whatever, they wanted to, uh, <clears throat> to find ways to give back and use what they've earned over these years and uh, to benefit people. Instead of and they won't let their children have a whole lot. That's like, very see, yeah. these people are coming are governed by the intelligence we spoke of originally to come to the right conclusions with it. I think um, it's respect. Hey, no, I think it's respect for everyone's contribution to the welfare of mankind. I mean, I'm talking about, for example, the hospitals that I worked in where people are working so hard and not being paid correctly. I mean, that's, 
as you say, is for the, the rich man or whoever owns it to reckon with. I mean, why should someone who takes like 10 patients and is taking care of them, I mean, it, all the things that they have to do, I won't, I think some people know, but not paid right so that only one shift is enough. That's not right. It is not right. And that is it's self greed. And yeah. that will come to its own destruction. It has to. All these people, the big pharmaceutical companies or other people, what is their purpose? If their motive is good, and maybe some are, but if their motive is not, if it's greed and, and, and stepping on other people, it will come to its own destruction, and that you can be sure of. And that's why the whole of Materia Medica is unfair, because its basis is incorrect. A lot that of these hospitals are governed by municipalities. They're not owned by people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some are owned by, you know, the the organization, the CS organization, mm -hmm. <laughs> which because I've heard in the in the uh, one of those places that Christian Science nurses are in, they're not being treated fairly at all, nor being even allowed <laughs> to practice the science. Um, there's one other, I want to go to one other point because we're closing soon. So, Karen, you'll have to save your thought. Um, okay. This is the William McCracken, labor not for the meat which perisheth. The labor problem is the problem of understanding substance. As long as substance is conceived of as matter, so long will material means, physical force, and war seem necessary for the acquisition of substance and discord and decay ran such efforts as worse than fruitless. When the teaching of Christian science is applied that substance is spiritual, then it will be seen that substance must be sought in spirit and in truth. All must learn this lesson in order that men and women may become workers together with him and love's labor be not lost. The laborer knows to know that his riches lie in God, not his employer. And it goes on. But then, which I, there's something very sweet. Let's see, is this it? Um, he says about Mrs. Eddy, which goes with all that we've been talking about. Under the date of January 6, 1895, a Boston newspaper reported of Mrs. Eddy's manner of life at Pleasant View, Concord, New Hampshire. She employs a number of men to keep the grounds and farm in perfect order. And it was pleasing to learn that this rich, rich woman is using her money to promote the welfare of industrious workmen. This is what Florence was talking about. In whom she takes vital interest. Mrs. Eddy believes that the laborer is worthy of his hire. What Florence just said. Mm -hmm. And moreover, he deserves to have a home and a family of his own. Indeed, one of her motives in buying so large an estate was that she might do something for the toilers and then and thus add her influence toward the advancement of better home life and citizenship. And pulpit press 49. She who toiled for others as no one else has done, loved the toilers everywhere and taught multitudes to obey the command, quote, labor not for the meat which perisheth. <laughs> Her teaching at this hour is paramount to solve the labor problem on a basis of impartiality, 
which is a divine quality of the heavenly Father, Mother, God. Other whole thing is wonderful. Um, and I could only touch on a lot of these hot topics, but as you study on your own, you'll find so much more of this truth that will enrich your life immeasurably in all directions. And now Gary's going to end. This is an article that appeared in the Santa Ana, California Register in 1916. It may not be... It may not be inappropriate for me to state that I very distinctly remember when Mrs. Eddy, the discoverer and founder of Christian Science, after nearly a lifetime of effort in other localities, returned to that quiet New England city, Concord, New Hampshire, and located in the immediate neighborhood where I lived for many years. Many of the scenes, local interests, and local characters in Concord that were familiar to Mrs. Eddy have been familiar to me from my earliest recollection. And during the period of her residence in Concord, her figure was a familiar one. It may be recalled that Mrs. Eddy was born in the little town of Bow, just outside the boundaries of Concord, and that the chosen home of her later years, known as Pleasant View, where much of her important work was done, looked out across the valley upon the location of her birthplace. About 30 miles from Concord, there is a beautiful lake, to which reference is made in Science and Health, which glistens among the New Hampshire hills and bears the poetic Indian name of Winnipesaukee. The English translation of the word Winnipesaukee is the smile of the Great Spirit. There are those who believe that the life and work of Mrs. Eddy was also a smile of the Great Spirit. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.